For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Grainger.com, or just stop by. Granger For the ones who get it done. Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Greetings and welcome to episode 24, I think, of the Believe Knicks podcast. Our Kobe, our Kobe, our Kobe pod. Your Kobe pod or um, Bill Bradley, depending on where you where you Thank fall you, on yeah. the age spectrum. Um, on the Knicks spectrum, you're right. You, spectrum. You're, now, I'm, it is episode 24, but in a very BCAD sort of way, it is episode one after the season, the postseason, which does not involve the postseason. So we are going to start. Um, one AD. AD. Not not, <laughs> not AD, not AD. Just AD after after that. After Derek? After no. that. It's been that AD has been going on a long time. Um, so we'll start to talk a little bit, um, look back a little bit, look forward a little bit. Um, but before I do that, we have a new friend today. Um, our partners at Bet Online continue to be the number one source for all your betting needs and sports info. Find all of the latest sports developments, including updated odds on the NBA playoffs, fights, not NBA fights, I think like other leagues, and even next season's futures. And don't forget that Major League Baseball is back as well. Who are you picking to win the World Series? Who are you picking to win the World Series, Stacy? Um, the Kansas City Chiefs. <laughs> He's not wrong, folks. <laughs> not the biggest baseball fan. I see that now. Uh, bet online. I, I, used to, I used to be a much bigger fan when I was a kid. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. I grew. I, I actually grew up just about thirty minutes from Yankee Stadium. Mm. Um, but then I lived in Queens for a while, so I went to like a bunch of Mets games. Mm-hmm. Now I'm back in Stanford, which I'm closer to Yankee Stadium. I will probably follow the Yankees here and there this season, but in terms of knowing what's going on, I don't have much of a clue right now. Well, if you need a clue, Bet Online is your continued source for all your sports wagering needs, including live betting and your favorite Vegas casino and poker games. It's super easy to get started, so head to the website today or use your mobile device to join and use the promo code Believe. Believe. That's B-L-E-A-V to receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Bet online where the game starts. So where the pod starts, um, Stacey, will be, I think, (sighs) the season is done. I don't think anyone's really had a chance to come close to fully decompressing. But now that it is over, um, what issues stances feels vibes are still resonating with you after it's all come to an end yeah i mean it's um i i am i really think the knicks are eight nine deep with young guys who are contributors when i say young guys i mean guys in the rookie deal under 25 mitchell robinson is soon to be not on rookie deal and perhaps not on this team 
Mm-hmm. Um, that's really exciting to me. But um, I also realized that um, it's been bittersweet, you know, like, especially as quickly as Ascended and Obi has ascended, um, you know, especially on quickly, you know, I've been even at his <coughs> lowest points, kind of a defender of his. And as much as it's very gratifying to see him kind of live up to what I always felt he could be, and, and I think he'd be a lot more too, um, you know, there is that, you know, because you always see people tweet like, well, have fun while these young guys are here because sooner or later they're going to be in Utah. Um, and it doesn't seem like, like, I think in a perfect world, we could see how these eight or nine guys with like a couple of vets do together. And it's just like, it's tough for me because I don't see how that happens. And like, I, I don't know that, I mean, this pats to that, like we have Evan Fournier. I'd love to see Cam Reddish do well, but Evan Fournier is a good player. Do we trade him for nothing? That goes for Alec Burks too. I didn't want him starting a point guard. I did want him getting minutes on this team. He's a good, he's a very good player. Mm-hmm. Um, it, he does a lot of things better than anyone else on the team, including some of the guys I want to get to take some of his minutes. Um, you know, there are guys that I'm kind of okay. I think. I can trade you, namely Kemba and Nerlens. Um, but to make those things happen without bringing in more vets, like how do you get Deuce McBride minutes? How do you even get Cam Reddish minutes? Um, it's tough. And I don't know that there's a, I think it's just a tricky situation. And I, I don't know how the Knicks play this right now in a way that makes those things happen. And I do worry that they, I mean, either like scorch the earth for Donovan Mitchell, which is like, I would love Donovan Mitchell on this team, but you know, I also wanted Carmelo Anthony on the team. I don't think the way it happened was necessarily optimal. Um, so I don't, I mean, if they could, it's just, it's just a very, it's a tough situation to see how it's going to go forward, but I'm trying at least for the present to focus on the fact that we have eight or nine young guys who are all at least rotation level and um and you know uh i i will argue that point a lot about all of them i would generally feel very pessimistic about the next chances of not doing like a scorched earth deal for mitchell and like when you started talking about the young core my first my initial thought was like Okay, but we know that this is basically a franchise for whom youth is, um, you know, almost like a, a cross to a vampire. Like, there's, you know, there's the famous Charlie Ward. You know, no one's gotten a second deal since Charlie Ward. But, like, they just don't, they don't keep any young ones, ones around. And then I realized, well, wait a minute. And... We'll note on your calendars that this is the first and probably last time that I will hypothesize that Jim Dolan might deserve credit for something. Um, when Kevin Durant was nearing free agency a couple seasons ago, and everyone was convinced that the Knicks were going to go after him, and when they didn't get him, it didn't sound like you know like a LeBron thing where the Knicks put out all the stops and KD chose the Nets instead. It sounded like. At time, and I remember at the time, because I think 
Mills put out a statement, but the the pronoun was very clearly like we. Like I don't think Dolan wanted to give Durant that money. And I don't have a problem with that because if you consider Dolan's ownership tenure, like he's been burned constantly by big men with injury red flags. So Antonio McDice came with major red flags and was a disaster. Eddie Curry had an enormous medical red flag because of his heart condition. That's not why he failed in New York, but it was enough of a red flag that the Bulls were very happy to trade him. Amari Stoudemire got a five-year deal with no injury protections, despite red flags with his knees. We saw where that went. Christophs Porzingis, everyone knew when he was drafted. Like, this is an unusual body. It may not hold up. It didn't hold up. So when they had a chance to sign Durant, and everybody was insisting, like, the Knicks are all in on it, they want Durant, I respected the fact he might have been wrong, but I respected the fact that Dolan, I think to me, appeared to say, like, I didn't think he was wrong. Like, you have a player coming off some of the foot problems, and I know KD is a different body and everything, but, like, so do you think – there's no way to know this, but I'm hopeful that they could sustain the young core because I would rather see this young core get another two years and build around them in the draft and maybe make a couple moves on them, you know, around the team. I would rather see that than watch them trade four young players and three picks and swaps for Donovan Mitchell. Yeah, I mean, I am with you there. It's just tough to see how they make, like, if they draft, like, they have eight guys plus Mitch, right? Um, assume, like, without counting the vets. Right. And then they're going to draft a lottery player now who you would expect is going to play, like, even dra- they could draft a draft and stash guy. There's guys like Usman Dieng and Nikola Jovic who they could make draft and stash guys, but that's a little unusual in the lottery. Um, and um, the reality is they're probably going to keep at least one of Burks and Fournier. Uh, it's not a slam dunk that they're trading Randall, although I think it should be. Um, and for all those trades, it's unlikely that those will all be just for picks, right? There are a few teams that can just trade you only picks for those. Mm-hmm. So you're going to have vets coming back and we know what Tibbs does with vets. He plays them a lot. Um, I mean, like I would love to believe that. I mean, forget, forget guys like Rhymes, Deuce, Cam. I'm not even convinced that, um, you know, quickly and Obi are going to get the minutes that they seem to have earned at this point. And I'll 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 add this. Um, so I one thing I think it's worth mentioning: the Knicks young guys have shown exceptional maturity. Um, I think they all have extreme. Like I never see negative energy from the young guys. We have had young players, by the way, where that was a problem. Um, I think Dennis Smith Jr. was one. I think there's been others. You always see positive energy. Obi Toppin was the eighth overall pick in the draft. Until very recently, for two years, he was getting 10 to 15 minutes a game. He's never His energy has never waned. He's never had a bad attitude. Quickly has never had a bad attitude. Uh, Obi continues to say all the right things. They're all very polished in press conferences. You've seen especially IQ and RJ take kind of a leadership role as well. Um, you know, there was that clip with RJ with the iPad. There was another clip with IQ yesterday. 
they both have that ability. I think these are exceptional young people. Forget basketball wise, like leadership wise, but quickly. And like RJ was in the situation this year where he was playing for potentially an extension that is going to be quickly an OB next year. And if they're still getting 20 minutes a game, you know, I think like Berman stated, I think quickly has always said the right things. And I think they, deep down they liked Tibbs but Berman said that there were there had been some rumblings from Quickly's camp that they weren't happy with his role hmm. um, I would be very surprised if, if Obi is still doing what he did you know behind Randall this year like that's probably going to happen as well because it's one thing to say they're not getting reps for the development but by year three it's I'm not getting reps for my money and to quote the illustrious worm uh, playing with my money is like playing with my emotions. So um, that is going to be a thing. Um, and I'm hoping they find a way to resolve that for both the kid's sake and for Tip's sake, because when he's forced to play the kids, that's when I see the best, most creative coaching out of him. I think like, actually, it's weird because he played more conservative schemes with Kemba, with Fournier, with all those guys. But once he gets forced to play Grimes and McBride and Sims, and he knows they can switch more, and he knows they're flawed in many ways, but he knows what they give you. He leans into that. He just will never do it for more than five or ten minutes at a time unless he's forced to. Uh, but if they can, if they can create that environment, which it feels like such a a small narrow path, but if they can do that, that would really get me excited more so than like signing Jalen Brunson or, mm-hmm. um, you know. Um, short of a Donovan Mitchell trade, there's nothing that really excites me more than just like letting these guys go. And it's, I mean, like even like Deuce McBride, like I got into it with, with a beat reporter for the Knicks today. And I was talking with him about, you know, should the Knicks have played Deuce McBride, at least as a bench backup. And he was saying he shot less than 30% from three. Look at Deuce. Look at what, how Deuce McBride shoots. Look at his track record. And then also, if you don't buy any of that, um, you know, use the Darko tool. You know, if you guys aren't familiar with Darko, it's invented by Costa Medvedevsky. You know, apologies are pronounced it wrong. But he, you know, he he tracks the, the projected shooting based on based on how people perform. And Deuce is still projected to be a thirty six percent three point shooter. Like, there's nothing to indicate this kid can't shoot. Like. Even when I liked Frank a lot, even those comparisons seem insulting to Deuce because yes. he's way more dynamic off the dribble. He's a much better athlete. He's not as big. <clears throat> when he shoots, there's no hesitation, and he has a high release. Yep. You look at him shoot, like, yeah, he's shooting less than 30% because every time he comes in, he shoots once or twice. And by the way, there was another player on the Knicks who for most of the season was shooting in the low 20s from three, all of a sudden, Julius Randle is out of the lineup, and now that player is shooting 40% from three and going for 40 a game. Like, I'm not saying Obi Toppin is a 40% three-point shooter, but I'm saying he's a hell of a lot better than 23 or whatever he was earlier this year. Um, and I, I just want to see all of them get to show that out, and then from there, we can make our decisions, you know? I, I just, I feel like even that, like, that to me is the goal. Forget winning a ring, forget all of that stuff. That to me is the gold standard right now, and it's just tough to see how that how they can make that come to fruition. 
I don't understand that argument about McBride at all because, um, you know, Marcus Smart's first four years, he shot about 29% from three, which is a much larger sample size than McBride. And and I know, you know, in the last four years, Smart has shot around 34%. Um, and he, oh, by the way, Smart was also a much worse shooter than McBride in college. Yeah, McBride I'm saying like a guy who shot 40% in college. And, and it's not like you watch him play. These are not like oh, wide open catch and shoots. Like he's no. doing step backs and crazy shit. Like he mm-hmm. can shoot. Mm-hmm. When you said that you are ready to trade Randall, is that because of what you saw from Obi at the end? Not just at the end. Um, like, were you ready two weeks ago to get rid of Randall? I think what happened at the end was a confirmation yeah. of something that's been coming for a while. But that's the thing. People were like, oh, Obi just dominated some G-leaguers. I was like, he's done that all year. Um, when Earlier, when Obi would get 15 minutes and score like 13 points yep. in 15 minutes, we would be like, well, he can't do that for a whole game. Don't use per 36 stats. And it's like, well, now that he gets 36 minutes, clearly that's not diminishing anything. Mm-hmm. Um, I There was a good... We had a good discussion about this on the Strickland Discord. Um, when it comes to thing like, things like... There's two things that Randall clearly has over Obi by a lot, and those are not trivial things. He's a very switchable defender. Mm-hmm. Um, even going back to last year's playoff series against the Hawks... Um, he Randall was actually our best defender against Trey Young. I think he guarded him. I think the tracking data said fifteen times. Trey only scored once. Mm. Wow. Um. And and I mean, I think if you watched, you could see he's he's very good at switching onto dudes on defense. Um. And he's very he is better than at Ob. Like he's a better ball handler, right? Oh yeah. Um. He's probably stronger. He's a better post uh, player. I'm not even sure I would agree with that, by the way. But um, he's better at creating his own shot and creating opportunities for himself. Mm-hmm. And because of the attention he draws, even though I think Obi's a much better passer, Randall is able to create more of those opportunities. But the thing is this. If you're going to use... like, is there, a, is there a great team that uses Randall in that way, where he's heavily used as a post-up hub? That's where I'd say no. And I would especially say with this team, that's not what the strengths of the rest of the players are. The strengths of this team and probably you know, how Randall would best be used is as a role man who can pick and pop, who can make quick decisions. On defense, yeah, like switching is great, and that is a weakness for Obi, but Obi does everything else better on defense. And it's not even because there's some things that he's more naturally talented at on defense. And that's rim protection. Like he's legitimately a very good shot blocker and rim protector, but um, he also just tries harder, and that matters. Uh, and Randall doesn't. Like, and it's it's tough because like you know you you want to talk about effort as a thing like they can turn it on, but Randall just doesn't turn it on that often. Um, he doesn't try hard on defense, and I think he could be a much better defender than Obi, but he hasn't. And then there is also on top of that one thing Obi brings that even when Randall tries, he doesn't have, which is that Randall has short arms and can't jump as high as Obi, so he's not a great rim protector. Um, and so if you put that, who is the better player overall? Maybe it is Randall. But in terms of fitting in with this team and in terms of who we can build around, um, that difference is much bigger in Obi's favor. Plus, it's also 
not just a question of which player is better, but it's also a question of like starting next year, Randall at 29 million versus Obi at, I don't know, probably eight, something like that. Um, yeah, I mean, what Obi's extension will look like, that we're going to have to kick that can down the road for till next year. But that conversation is going to come up, you know, just like RJ's is right now. So, yeah. Have you been done with Tibbs? Like, were you ready for him? Like, when, what, what was it that made you? Because that's quite a, like, a year ago, with whatever concerns there had been, I don't think anybody thought that, like, a year later, you'd be like, Tibbs has to go. Is it strictly, like, the malpractice with the young players? Is it other things also? Do you think he doesn't have the offensive creativity or willingness to do, like, what you just talked about? Like, trying to put, you know, Randall in this better position and put Toppin in a better position? What was it that made you just say, I'm, I've already seen enough? I'm not done with Tibbs, by the way. Okay. But you're okay yeah. if, he, if he goes, you don't think it's the wrong move? I think if Randall and Tibbs come back, there's two things that, there's one thing really that could make me turn on the front office. There's another thing that could make me start to be upset because I'm still a believer in this front office. I, I don't think you can, I, I there are the, the kind of paradisio I talked about mm-hmm. with the young guys being able to run and frolic, right? Um, cannot happen with Julius Randall on this team. Um, it certainly cannot happen with Julius Randle and Obi and so <laughs> it cannot happen with Julius Randle and Tom Thibodeau on this team for sure. Mm. Because if Tom Thibodeau comes back with Julius Randle, we're going back to what we did this year. Um, that's not good for anyone. Um, so one of them has to go. That's where I'm at. Um, does it have to be Tibbs? I think that when he's forced to coach the young players, he does a good job. It's it's really weird because what you've seen for most of his career is that like he tends to like, you know, when he has, you know, in Minnesota and Chicago for veteran players, like his, you know, being a hard ass can kind of wear off, right? It can grow stale. But the young guys seem to buy in. Uh, even when he left Minnesota, I don't think him and Cat necessarily got along that well, but Wiggins loved him. Um, the young guys in Chicago loved him. And also, like the Todd Gibson types, love him. It's those guys in the middle where I don't, I don't know what's happening with him and Randall, but he's unable to get the most out of Randall, which was part mainly Tibbs' selling point. So I'm not out on Tibbs. Um, what might have maybe, ch- and I, I think I haven't changed my opinion that much because last year, even when the Knicks were winning, I saw him as still a flawed but good coach. Um, I saw him a little bit like I saw Andy Reid when he was on the Eagles, mm. um, where it's a guy who knows the game extremely well, can game plan, isn't the best at talent evaluation, isn't the best at rotations, and isn't the best at in-game adjustments. But he, I mean, he has great after-timeout plays. Mm-hmm. Like he's on defense, he's utilized a lot of creative ways to unlock the most out of guys. Like he understands that. By the way, like things like. Jericho Sims is probably better at switching than he is in help and drop right now. So he's he's played into those strengths. He's realized that when I don't have Kemba Walker out there, when I have Emmanuel Quickly and Deuce McBride, I can trap more. I can try to press more. I can be more aggressive. Um, those are important things. I think he can be successful. Um, I think he, the front office needs to sit down with him and take away some of the things that he's gone with and make sure that he leans into that 
but I think he can be successful. Um, and I, I mean, the last, the other thing I'll say is this, right? Like, I think that. So one one other thing I'll add is Alvin Gentry was fired, or, or is would not going to be ret, uh, retained as the Kings, you know, interim coach. I would love to bring him in as an offensive coordinator. I would love that for Tibbs. But beyond that, I think Tibbs has a very simple philosophy. I think he realized this year that like all, everyone on the team, including Randall, is better when you run. So for the first half of a lot of games, you see the Knicks run and gun and play with pace. And then you see starting in the third quarter, especially in the games where they have a big lead, they slow down. Um, because in 1995 or in, in 2005, that was a, a worthwhile endeavor, right? Because you because teams aren't going to catch up. You don't turn the ball over. You right. don't take bad shots. You don't let them get in transition. And they're not coming back from 20 down. That's no longer the case because of how well teams shoot. And um, and furthermore, on those teams, like when he when he was doing that in Chicago, he did blow a lot of leads. Um, shout out Vivek Dazania, who put a good thread on kind of Tibbs' trend of giving up big leads. But, um, you know, in Chicago, he had a guy named Derek Rose, who was a great isolation scorer. In Minnesota, he had Cat. Uh, and they still, by the way, he had Cat and Jimmy. And they still blew leads, but you had ISO guys. Last year, the version of Julius Randle that was there was good enough. And he also had Derek Rose as an isolation score. This year, he doesn't have, we don't, the Knicks aren't built for that. Um, but it's also an overreaction to, like, I think a lot of the defenses offered of Tibbs are like, well, you know, in the second half, defenses tighten up. You need a closer. You need an ISO guy. And, when, on, on Pod Strickland, we had on Sam Cooper, from who's a Suns fan, right? So we got to see how the other half lives. And um, he was saying that in the playoffs, that's absolutely true. You need a closer pretty early on. But in the regular season, you can play fast. You can play with pace for four quarters. And that's the strength of this team. And um, so I think they can meet Tibbs halfway. If they get him someone like Jalen Brunson or if quickly or RJ emerges, or if they get an isolation score in the draft, they can play where they play three and a half quarters fast. They need to get tips to buy into that. But it's not as soon as second half starts, if you go into a shell, that's bad. But if you can play fast for three and a half quarters, play with ball movement, do the thing where they've been doing so much, but you get the rebound, Obi's there, right? Obi out there somewhere, right? Just throw it up. Mm-hmm. That's what they've been doing. Keep doing or or just push, right? Even Jericho Sims has been pushing the ball a little bit. Um Keep doing that. Get into your sets quickly, and you know live with the results. I think that would work out better for this team. And then you know to to kind of wet Tibbs's appetite, you could also acquire someone like like a Brogdon or a Brunson who can give you like some semblance of that ISO scorer to take you home. That's a formula that can work, uh, especially if Tibbs is at least willing to lean into three quarters of of that kind of play. The quintessential like team with no star that, but was like perfect like a a regular season monster was the 2011 Nuggets after they traded Carmelo, and they got Gallinari and Chandler and everyone from the Knicks. They were a brilliant, brilliant regular season team. So I remember George Carl could not stop talking shit, like could not stop being passive aggressive about 
how much more fun this was than playing he with isn't t- he hasn't stopped talking shit. he has not by the way he has I, not I don't stopped know talking if you've shit. seen he had like uh do you know baldon stop is yeah did you see his little tiff with george carl no baldon stop said carmelo anthony is the greatest nugget of all time over Jokic, which ruffled some feathers and he also said that Carmelo Anthony is a top 25 player of all time. And George Carl like replied and was like, no. And uh, <laughs> Baldon Stop is a guy who's like, I, I actually enjoy his stuff. He's very anti-analytics. He tends to favor like, like he likes quickly actually, but he tends to favor quote unquote real hoopers. Overrated isolation scores. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So like Alonzo Trier is a guy who right. he liked a lot. Right. Um. And I, I respect that he kind of sticks to it. And he's good at evaluating. I mean, everyone has their niche. But um, anyway, yeah, it was funny to see George Carl at however old he is. He's still getting into Twitter beefs. So. I saw it a while ago. He took some other shot at Melo. He has not given up the fight, man. George Carl is going to no, be. No, he has his beef. And he, I mean, it's sad because I think he, like, those Sonics teams, those were some of the first teams I fell in love with. Those were great teams. Uh, especially outside the Knicks, like. Um, like I remember, like when I first started getting into the Knicks, I think the first season I really followed it, the Sonic, yeah, the, the first season I really followed the NBA, the Knicks had Derek Harper as a starting point guard. Mm-hmm. They lost the Bulls, I think, in five games. Um, and the Bulls made the finals, and I I rooted for the Sonics, and they had, mm-hmm. I mean, that was a fun team. They had Gary Payton, Hersey mm-hmm. Hawkins, Detlef Schrempf. I mean, Kep was. I actually today I was thinking of. And a Sean Kemp um, comp for for Obi Toppin, which I'd be curious on your thoughts on that. Mm. Um, but um, that was just a, such a fun team, and George Carl led that. And he, those Nuggets teams were fun, and it seems like he has a lot of bitterness. But I think he was a hell of a coach. Those Sonics team, that Sonics team in '96 was, along with the Knicks, the only teams that year who beat the Bulls more than once. Um, yeah. yeah, well, let me let me think about the Obi kind of thing but while i do that why don't i give you a message from our new friends at credit karma paying down debt can be stressful especially when you need to keep track of multiple monthly payment dates god knows i struggle with that if you're tired of juggling due dates consolidating with a personal loan could be your answer that way you'll just have one due date a month and credit karma can help you find the best option for you i'll be honest with our audience you know, we read all these glamorous ads and you probably think like, oh my God, they must get comped and swag and all this free stuff. But not really. It's not actually like that in the, the real world of sports podcasting. But I can say personally, I have used um, Credit Karma myself in the past and I do like their service. They're very helpful um, giving you your credit report every month for free, not just your report, but they'll show you like, you know, graphs and ways you can improve what you're doing. And they even break down for you like, um, if if you have issues working against your credit, um, which of them are high risk, which of them are medium, which of them are low. So they actually give you kind of a sense of how to attack it if you want to improve it. Um, comparing loan offers on Credit Karma is 100% free. It will not affect your credit scores and it could save you money. So if you feel ready to apply, head to creditkarma.com slash loan offers to see personalized offers. Again, that's creditkarma.com slash loan offers to find a loan for you. For those of you in the back of the class not listening, that's creditkarma.com 
slash loan offers. Obi Toppin and Sean Kemp. Um, I wrote about this in the last <coughs> recap that I did for, I think the Strickland, I think the one I did last night. Um, I have never seen an athlete like Obi Toppin on the Knicks. There are different kinds of ways I think that people define athleticism. It's usually like hops or your quicks or like midair, you know, ballet kind of stuff. And there's always, the Knicks have had people who can do all those things. Um, Nate Robinson can be pretty quick with the ball. Um, you know, certainly Jamal Crawford could too. And we've seen James White, Flight White. Flight White, you know, he was so fast, I barely remember him out there. And, <laughs> but also they've had great leapers. J.R. Smith was a great leaper. Um, Spreewell is really good. Spreewell, yeah, Spreewell was, was my first favorite Nick that's I gotta McDice before he was getting injured was an athletic marvel but in terms of a guy who I think I don't think I've ever seen a guy who's all of those things like he he's 6'9 he's really like a Greek like fucking character like he's 6'9 he's the fastest person on the floor and you know every night in the scouting report, especially when Randall was out and you knew Toppin was going to play, every single team knows, all right, Obi likes to run out. And there's still nothing. It's like in baseball. In the mid-'80s, there was a stretch. If I remember right, Vince Coleman stole, like, 80 consecutive bases safely against the Mets. Like, they could never, ever, ever throw Vince Coleman out. You knew he was going. You would pitch out. Didn't matter. Obi, he's that fast. He obviously has the verticality. We've talked before about his just preternatural ability to jump in the air and where 99% of players would commit a charging foul or contort themselves and miss the shot. Toppin somehow just seems to cut through the air. No problem. I've never seen someone like him. In that sense, Kemp is, he has similarities to Kemp. Um, Kemp had a jumper. Um, you weren't like worried about him making it all day, but like he could, he could hit. Obi's been shooting the ball though. Obi has been drilling the ball. Um, it's there's something there's something very funny to me, um, just because I like numbers and metaphor of top and ending the season with the same three point percentage as Randall, and Barrett would have passed him for the team lead in scoring if he had not missed the last couple. If he had not gotten hurt at the end. He would have passed him. Um, he needed like 45 in his last two games. He, the way he was going, you could, you knew he was going to get that. So I, I'm really interested in the I, – I talked to you about this a little bit off the air beforehand, and I wrote about it in the last recap. Like, Just with all the questions that I have about the team, I haven't felt most of the season like they can or should trade Randall. Um, and I still wonder – I have a feeling he's going to be gone. I have a feeling that, and I don't think this is a a flaw of a person. I think, I can't remember who it was. Um, You know, Leon Rose came out the other day and finally talked and uh, someone else did. I can't think of who it was now, but someone described, someone used the word sensitive to describe Randall. And I realized that like, not to dismiss things that Randall has done that I think he just handled poorly, but it struck me when writing about Randall that like everyone saw Randall two years ago 
Um, this happened with A-Rod. A-Rod signed an enormous deal. He felt pressure to live up to it. He cheated. He signed a bigger deal, and everyone was shocked after when he cheated again. And it's like, well, of course he cheated again. Um, you already know he has, obviously, issues with anxiety and performance. So two years ago, we all saw Randall kind of melt down trying to live up to being the guy making $19 million a year on the Knicks. And he, he talked about that in the piece he wrote last season for the Players' Tribune. I think it's entirely possible, if not likely, that like this year Randall struggled with being the guy making twenty nine million a year playing for the Knicks, and I think he, I think he wants out. Um, I don't think he's wrong for that. I don't think everyone is it's just like everyone's not cut out to live and work in New York City, just in a, in a nine to five sense. Like everyone is not cut out to say, <coughs> I get paid a lot, so boo me, you know a month into the season and send my wife shit. Like not everyone, some people don't want that. I want things to work out for Randall, <coughs> but I'm really having like so many thoughts about directions. This team could go if they started topping instead. And in conjunction with that, I think um, signed as a center who can, who can shoot a little just for spacing. I think if you had a five who can shoot Toppin, um, Barrett, maybe Grimes and quickly. Um, it's not the biggest team, but I feel like that team would give a lot of teams trouble getting out on the run, um, and just blowing teams out offensively. Yeah, I mean, would Tibbs lean into that is a question. That's another um, huge... I mean, that's the other thing that I, I I meant to get to. Like, I think Berman wrote a piece today where Berman acknowledged that he was writing about the, the veteran-young divide, and Berman stopped and was like, to be fair, like, every practice before practice, Tibbs is out there with all the young guys, specifically, like, running through plays with them and... And even Berman wrote that, like, you know, if you want to talk all the time about, you know, Tibbs doesn't work with young guys, Tibbs is developing, isn't developing the youth. I mean, where do we draw the line on where he gets credit and where he doesn't? Because if we loved Tibbs, um, especially I feel like if this was last season and if last season Toppin and Quickly didn't really play and then at the end of the year they started playing, I know that's not what happened and I know that changes the context of everything, but... um, Thibodeau is not, like you said, like he's not stupid. He's not, um, you know, he's not in over his head, obviously. Um, but I feel like if you go into a season and you're thinking going into the season is one of our biggest needs is for Tom Thibodeau to really change up a lot of how he does things, you already know what kind of season you're headed into. Yeah, um, I mean, I guess what I mean with would he be like if the Knicks traded, I kind of almost want the Knicks to trade Derrick Rose just to see if Tibbs he would quit the Knicks, <laughs> it, it, but he might. I, I you, you're joking, but we have seen coaches quit over those kind of things. We've seen Donnie Walsh quit basically because of the Meadow, tra- uh, the Mellow trade, right? Meadow, like <laughs> the Sopranos. Um, <laughs> Um, but you know, 
that like it'd be inter- like are you willing to coach quickly and because the thing is when he has to coach them he leans into everything we want him to do but i don't is that what you want to do or would you prefer like you know would you prefer a team with like like maybe he'd be the best coach for the lakers right now right he could coach ad oh, wow. and dwight and all those guys to be an elite defense this is not me selling the the Actually, maybe that maybe that's that would be perfect, right? Maybe that's what I should do, because the Lakers are looking at one Juwan Howard um, as their next head coach. Are they? Yeah, Uh, and I don't want that to happen. Uh, I think most Michigan fans who aren't racist assholes also don't want that to happen. (laughs) Right. But um, you know, um, (laughs) so maybe I should maybe Tibbs has to be the sacrificial lamb. That aside, but I think he would be a good fit on that kind of a team. Give him a, a heavy isolation score, a team of smart players who can play a scheme and protect the rim, play at a slow pace and score in the half court. That's his ideal team, who he likes. But a funny thing happened on the way to the Tibbs role. Maybe he realized maybe the real maybe the real ideal Tibbs team was the young kids he made along the way, you know, or he met along the way. <laughs> Um, because he's really good at coaching the kids. I actually think that he when is. he's forced to play them. And I think he likes them. I think all of these kids, I he like I like everyone, like there's people who post pictures of him hugging quickly or like Obi praising him and be like, see, like you all say he hates the kids. I was like, I don't think he actually personally hates the kids. He just doesn't fucking play them over players that they're better than for reasons that are unclear to me. But if he didn't have that option, maybe it'd be great. Or maybe he wouldn't. Um, I would love to for the front office to put that to the test. Mm-hmm. Um, that doesn't mean they have to trade all of the vets. I think keeping one of Fournier and Burks would be good. I would trade Noel. I would trade Derek. It would hurt me to t- trade Derek Rose because I really did. I appreciate what he's done. I think he's a great fit in New York. I think he's great for these kids. But I also think if we traded him to a place like Dallas, Dallas will get a lot more use out of Derek Rose than we will. Why? Because for Dallas, they have Luka. Um, they don't need Derrick Rose to play 50 games a year. They need him, but they do need him to play, um, you know, whatever they play in the playoffs, right? Having him off the bench as a playoff guard while Luka rests, that's massive to a team like Dallas. Um, and we, we cannot tap into that value from Derrick Rose. I think he would have, yeah, I think Derrick Rose would have come back and played if we made the playoffs. Yeah, I do too. Um, so I think he still has that value, but that's diminishing and we cannot extract that value right now. So we might as well get what we can for it. Um, as good as his leadership and all of that is. So, um, but I think I, I would, I would, I would put tips to the test. And if he says, I want to leave, I don't want to coach. Then you promote. I mean, I think no matter what, they. I, I. I. would hope Leon Rose is on the phone with Alvin Gentry right now. Um, and maybe Gentry thinks that. Um, maybe maybe Gentry thinks he can get a head coaching job, or you know that would be beneath him. I don't know. I don't know if he personally gets along with Thibodeau, but whether it's Thibodeau that gets promoted, or in the very what seems like the very unlikely chance that Johnny Bryant gets promoted. Well, he's also a first-time coach. He could use an offensive coordinator who has had coaching experience. Uh, I think hiring Alvin Gentry would help a lot of that too. So, be cool if they brought back Dan Tony for that. 
<laughs> I I would love that. Yeah, I don't know. think it would happen, but it it definitely seems to me like there's probably burn bridges. Yes, you know, with Dolan and all that. So, I mean, stranger things have happened. I just I wouldn't bet on it. Did you ever play Tetris when you were young? Yes. Okay, so you remember in Tetris that you know you could you're building and you're building, and when you would get the line and get it down and get a Tetris, like it just opened up like everything. Yep. I feel like the Knicks roster Tetris this offseason, and not because the player himself deserves to be traded, because I think he's done everything they've asked him to do in his two years here. I think Burks has to get traded. I think Randall might get traded. I think Burks has to get traded because I think there's no chance that they trade Rose because I don't think Thibodeau will let it happen. And I think they need for the young kids to be able to get more playing time in Tibbs's world. Um, you know, I think Burks is in front of people too much. Not not that he doesn't deserve, you know, I'm not saying Burks doesn't deserve his spot, but I don't think that Thibodeau can be trusted to play the best lineups because he'll just keep playing he'll just keep playing Burks. But I think Burks should be traded because I think that yeah. forces people into opportunities that they would not otherwise get. Yeah, and to be clear, like when when you talk about playing Burks, the bad lineups are starting point guard. Yes. Yeah. That's really it. Yeah. Um I don't mind him at starting shooting guard or or back. And I don't and I don't I don't even mind him as a backup point guard if he is playing against bench units. He can, like every that's funny. Mm. That's the funny thing to me is like everything that people have said about quickly. He's just like Jamal Crawford. He's just like Lou Williams. Like that actually describes Burks. Like he, he he's fine as a as a backup point guard. He's fine at playing that as uh, as a you know as a changeup. But also the Knicks have the Knicks have two promising. I, I think Deuce is a promising young point guard, and they have quickly, um, and they have Rokas Yukubaitis, who at some point I would like to bring over and see what he can do. Um, Has he announced what he's doing next season? Um, he basically said that he, like, he's not coming unless he has an opportunity, like, to play. Yeah. Okay, so I think he's willing to stay there two more years, which is, I mean. I think he's still happy to be on the Knicks. We can use that contract. We can also, I mean, Rubio played two years. Um, a young man. Uh, there was this funny. Somebody was like, I just don't see it. Like, guys who stay overseas after getting picked don't do well. I was like, you ever heard of Manu Ginobili? Yeah, he played three more years. Uh, he had he had a pretty decent career, I think, once he came here. Um, How old is Jokobitis? Um, 23? I, I want to say 21. Oh he's wow! Not that old. Oh wow! Um, and he's he's extremely productive. Yeah, he's twenty one. Wow! Uh, he has Jesus. I feel old also, but he is born three years to the day younger than my sister, who's eight years younger than me. So yeah, I feel very old, but also uh, <laughs> he's a Scorpio. For those that I'm a I Scorpio, so I'll, I'll take it. <laughs> oh, when's, when's your birthday? Scorpios love Scorpios. When, when's your birthday? November tenth. Oh yeah, so he's November nineteenth. Okay. Um, my sister comes off as a Scorpio, but that's also because she's someone I happen to be in a lot of conflict situations with. <laughs> I don't know if Rokas Yukubaitis would come across the same way, but anyway, we'll find out soon. he's very young. Yeah, he's extremely productive at a young age. The indicators he has 
are the same indicators you've seen from guys, everyone from Rubio to Luka Doncic. The point is, I'm not saying he's going to be Luka Doncic, but um, Dragic is a guy he gets compared to. Like, it's very, it seems very, very likely that he'll be a productive NBA player. McBride, um, I have given my thoughts, but I think it's very likely he's at least a rotation player. Quickly, we know what he could do. So um, at that point, and and Rose's value is only going to get diminished. He's he is a point guard that relies on athleticism. He's incredibly crafty and smart. I love what he's done with his game, and it's shitty to say. Like I hate having to say the same way I hate having to say we have to trade Drip Burks. Uh, I hate having to say that we need to trade Rose, but I think a that's just the way to get the most value you can because realistically, I don't think we're like the value that he brings to me at this point in his career is a guy that like plays 30 to 40 games in the regular season and then like can be can be someone like to back up a Luca or a Jason Tatum yeah or a, or a Giannis and lead the bench units while those guys rest in the playoffs and be awesome at it mm-hmm. like he would be awesome in that role but we cannot do that because we don't have that guy right so and we're not going to have that guy for the next two or three years um whether that's iq or rj developing to that or whether that's trading it's it just isn't here yet so i would say rose is the priority and i would trade one of burks or fournier i I think i think i what you said about burks is a fair point you know like is tibbs going to continue to play him a point guard you have to hope not though and like at some point we have to stop like a lot of the things, like I was talking to people today, and I was like, "What would you have done de- differently if you were Rose?" Some people said, "Or sorry, when I say Rose, I mean Leon Rose." Now. Yeah. Um, and some people were like, "He should have traded for DeRozan," which I actually think, as much as I'm not sure DeRozan would have fit that well, especially if we kept Randall. Yeah, there's no way he would have. Um, he is a he's an extremely talented player who's going to be All NBA. Like, I, I, you can't just discount that. And I, I won't. So I'm going to... I, but a lot of what people said was, like, they shouldn't have signed Kemba. And it's like, well, they gave Kemba $8 million a year. Like, if you can't trust your coach to know who to play, you know, they shouldn't have signed Fournier. Well, they signed Fournier for the going rate for shooters of that caliber. Right? He is... Yeah, that contract has always been fair. It's, it's fair. It's not a great contract, but it's fair. Yeah. Uh, it's the, it's the market rate for, and he, he is to be clear. Quinn Grimes is awesome. Quickly has been great. Burks has been great as a shooter from three. Mm-hmm. Fournier is by far the Knicks best shooter. He is. Yes. And he is orders of magnitude better than Reggie Bullock. Let's not get it twisted. And then Burks for $10 million a year is a great deal. Um, Noel was not a great deal, but that wasn't crippling. So, um, Joe came Noah off the books. Yeah. Well, it was cr- I mean, this is now a tangent, but my best friend, um, one of my best friends is a huge Lakers fan. He grew up in San Diego. And it's interesting how many parallels there have been with their team and ours. Um, You know, they have a player named LeBron James who is basically like Julius Randle, except slightly more accomplished in his career. Just a little bit. Depends how you look Um, at it. But they run their offense through a big. Um, They have had difficulties at the point guard position. When watching them, I have always felt that they have a young guy who's a great defender in Austin Reeves. That reminds me of McBride, mm. who they could have started. Or they have Malik Monk, who's a great shooter, not a quote-unquote true point guard, but I think they're much better offensively with him there. Um, 
and then but they don't they haven't had true they have had inconsistency in the backcourt they haven't had a, enough two-way players they don't really have besides really lebron like that two-way wing um you know and then it's even down to like i we were all talking about noah they just got off Lou Deng's contract yeah there's even the tips connection there so Mm -hmm. and of course and beyond that there's also like because those are the two biggest markets um those are the the nuts that espn is always hanging off of Mm -hmm. so Mm -hmm. um it's interesting to think about how many similarities we have besides the small difference of 15 rings but (laughs) hey there's time to catch up let me let me close asking you this question and Feel free to take it however you want to, but how many young guys who should play is too many young guys who should play? Because the Knicks are not the Knicks are not next year, regardless of what they do with Randall, even if they trade him. The Knicks are not going into next year thinking like we'll just develop all our kids and regardless of record, like they want to get at least into the play in, I think, if not back into the playoffs. When you mentioned McBride, Yoko Bidas, I'll leave out because whatever. Um, quickly, Rose, uh, someone else I'm not thinking of. McBride, quickly, Rose. Like, are you cool if the Knicks come back next year and have that's your point guard, Ross, your point guard death chart? They don't add anybody, not in the draft, not in free agency. Can you repeat the four guard depth charts? McBride, Quickly, and Rose. And if Burks is still there, you know, maybe spot duty. Yeah, I'm fine with that. Um, I would actually prefer to trade Rose. So, how, yeah, so I'm wondering, like, the Knicks have, is it three picks in this draft? One in the first and two in the second, I think. Like, they're probably going to add a draft pick. They're going to want to sign somebody. If you have 10 players, 25 and under, who all should play, can that work? Does that work anywhere in the league? And can it work in New York? 10 young players? Yeah, like a yeah, like a because everybody wants to play, and like you said earlier, like every year somebody's coming up on needing their minutes and their numbers because they're con- you know they have an option coming up or they can be restricted or unrestricted in the year. Like I I feel like you know when Superman flies above the earth and he can hear like all the conversations on Twitter. I feel like the noise that comes through everything, no matter what people's complaint is about the Knicks, and there's a lot of different complaints about them, everybody wants young players, X, Y, Z, one, two, three, to play more. And I get it. But if either you're arguing for like 10 young guys to all be balancing minutes and I don't know if that works. I don't know if that works. I get Somehow I'm worried <coughs> that you can have too many young players who all need opportunity, and if you can't satisfy it, you might as well have, you know, it's, that seems like a more is less kind of thing. It's definitely a weird situation. It's unprecedented. It's weird, yeah. There are teams that play a lot of young guys, but they're actively tanking teams, mm-hmm. uh, like the Thunder. 
I first of all, like I think part of what makes it weird is that these ten guys are good enough to compete for playing. You know, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, like there that wouldn't be a tanking team if you played those ten guys. Um, and in a part of that is because the Knicks do have older, older young, older young players, <laughs> um, older guys who are in their rookie deals, right? Top in, I think, will be 24 next year. Mm-hmm. Quickly will be 23. Uh, RJ will be 22. 22 next year, yeah. Um, Jericho Sims is only in his second year, but he'll be 23. Mitch will be 23 if he comes back, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, McBride was... so, th- and, and I think that's an important thing because when you look at the Knicks draft, there's a guy named Shaden Sharp, who I love, by the way, for example. Mm-hmm. But he didn't play college. He went to Kentucky, or he committed to Kentucky, but... If he goes to the draft, he won't have played at all in college. And I'm not sure that the Knicks would target someone like that because they, they haven't drafted a freshman yet with this front office. Um, they have drafted... Their sweet spot seems to be two or three-year guys like quickly Grimes, McBride. Mm-hmm. But they've also drafted you know older guys like Obi and Sims, right? Sims was a four-year player. Mm-hmm. So I think they like those guys. So this is a team that could... I don't want to say compete for a title, but it would be maybe something like the Raptors this year. I think that's probably the closest model. The Raptors have a lot of young guys and then Siakam and Van Vliet. But the rest of them are, you know, they play six, seven, eight guys who are under 25. Mm-hmm. So to answer your question, could they do that? I think they could. The question is, how do you do that while getting fair value for Fournier, Burks, Noel, Kemba, and Randall. Um, or at least 75, 80 cents on the dollar. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think that should be their goal. And could it work with all of them? Yeah, I think it could. Um, I think the other part of that then is like, Tibbs is the kind of coach that he wants to give his best players 36, 37, 38 minutes. I think for multiple reasons. Number one being, I think, if you play the young guys the Knicks have, they have to run. They're all better in transition. They're all better in a in a fast-paced offense. Um, they're all better at being aggressive, forcing turnovers. They're all playing, better playing with high energy. Um, like, I would worry about Obi playing 40 minutes. Like, he did it yesterday, and he might just be that guy where he just has... He is the Energizer Bunny, or mm-hmm. you know, he just has a natural constant cocaine high where he's never going to stop running <laughs> but um but i i would worry about you know like yeah play him 30 and maybe he'll be even more energetic same with iq um so definitely same with rj because i think that has made a difference with rj like he does get fatigued and, and his defensive effort has waned this year at times um i think it would come down to tibbs being willing to say that my top guys are going to play 30 to 33 minutes and my bottom guys are going to play 18 to 20 minutes. Mm-hmm. Um, it would solve both of those issues. A, I think they would be more effective because they'd really be able to play balls to the wall all game. Mm-hmm. And B, it would solve the problem that you mentioned where, um, you know, the guys, you, you wouldn't have so many of these minutes issues uh, or, you know, guys. And I think, I think it's, there are going to, there like, at least, you know, there are going to be guys where, they need to show out next year, right? Cam and RJ are both going to be in a contract year, essentially. Um, 
OB and IQ are going to be in a year where they could be eligible for extension. And it is kind of a prove it year for them too. Um, you know, the analogy for me would be OB and IQ are entering their junior year of college or their sophomore year of college and, or, or sorry, high school, you know, if you're talking about the, the college rat race and RJ and uh, Cam are entering their junior year, we're like, that's the main one. Mm. Uh, and then you have other guys who, you know, you can probably prioritize accordingly. Like, I don't think if Deuce or Sims or Grimes doesn't get huge minutes next year, it's not going to be a problem uh, in that sense. But that's how I, I think in general, like being able playing fast, playing hard and subbing liberally, which are not what Tom Thibodeau wants to do. Uh, solve both those problems. I'm very interested in your question about what fair value would look like for some of the Knicks veterans who might go out in a trade. We will explore that question in the next episode of Believe Knicks Pod, but that will be all for episode 24. I want to mention again the Believe <coughs> Knicks show podcast Extraordinaire is presented by Bet Online. It is also presented by Matthew Miranda and Stacey Patton. So from both of us to all of you, thank you again for being with us. And we'll talk to you about some of the Nick veterans later in the week. Peace. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.